Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning. I'm Linda Crater, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. We're going to be taking on a topic that has absolutely no controversy, said sarcastically. We're going to be talking today about vaccinations, and not just the current elephant in the room with viruses, etc., but about the importance of vaccinations and what we can do to mitigate some of the responses that some children have, some adults have, and is there any science behind some timing and, and when you take a look at a vaccine? And, you know, I think the best way to start is to tell you that we're on with one of the most wonderful physicians that I know, Dr. Ben Rothstein. Uh, I call him Binyamin, so if you hear me slipping, that's why. But we are, are going to talk about the role that vaccines play in preventing or minimizing the effects of diseases. And they've been amazing in the past. I mean, we've eradicated polio, um, in large part, measles, rump, m- rumps, measles, mumps, and rubella. And, and yet, there's still a lot of fear and controversy. So first, let me introduce you. Dr. Rustin, welcome this morning. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Thank you. I agree. I I think the one thing that is different uh, in talking about vaccines now is they have been largely politicized. And in the past, it was a matter of disease management and eradicating the world of horrible diseases. We've always known we were taking a risk when you inject anything into the body, but it was a benefits outweigh the risks scenario. So can you talk first about the the general role that vaccines have played in history? Because I think that's very important. You know, there's a lot of interesting stories about vaccines um, and how they've come and gone. One of my first exposures, actually, when I was in the Army, about I went to Walter Reed and found that Walter Reed was the one who discovered the, the yellow fever vaccine. Huh. You know, in, when I was in the Army at Usambrid, the, the biggest concern about soldiers going to war overseas was not bullets. It was bugs. Huh. More more soldiers die from bugs than from bullets. Huh. And so the military is very concerned about it. So the military has a strong push. And we see that, you know, we see that the, the ebb and flow of diseases and how it affects society. Vaccines have played a very important role. Um, and it's more than just protecting kids from getting sick. It's protecting right. society from sick people. True. And not because, but it's more what you think because what a lot of folks don't realize is that the um, the impact, you know, if you're a, a parent of normal, we'll call it a normal, if that's the word exists. But typical. Typical, thank you, whatever it is. Sure. Of mother, father, kids, household, father's a breadwinner, mother takes care of the kids. Kids get sick. Kids get sick. Everyone gets sick. We all had measles and mumps, rubella and chicken pox. We were kids. Everyone had that. Mm-hmm. And we were just fine, really. You got sick, you got better, and you went back to school. 
The difference is when the economics of the family changed, mothers cannot stay home with the kids anymore. Mm. And a sick child impacted not just the child, but also the mother and the household and society and jobs and companies. Mm-hmm. And so disease became a political issue, not necessarily a health issue. It's a very interesting thing how, how things morphed. Everybody knows vaccines, you know, have, have, uh, a lot of diseases in that history. We all, this kind right. of one knows that. We don't realize the vaccines have actually promoted economic and societal stability. That's very interesting because you're right. I personally had measles. I had mumps in high school. I don't believe I ever had rubella. Um, chicken pox, we used to introduce children. We used to be taken to homes where there were so that you would get it and have immunity to it. Um, right. That is not the way we look at things any longer. And so what you're talking about now, about the politicizing, it is very much part of the economics at this point. But I think we're not going to be able to ignore the other elephant in the room is that there is enormous money to be made off of vaccines. And yet this morning, Russia registered the very first uh, COVID vaccine. Now, there's not a lot of trust in other countries right now in manufacturing of meds outside of the United States. I think there's even dubious uh, confidence in meds created here in the United States, uh, the rush, uh, the, the changes in the drug protocols. As you know, my background is in drug development and phases one, two, three, uh, trials take years and they are being accelerated in large part because of the nature of this new virus, but also because there is some cooperation going on because this was a total global pandemic. What is your thought about that? The distrust part. It's become magnified in my view. It's such a complex political issue. It's so complex. I mean, if you look at it, you know, how the virus got to Wuhan in the first place, how did it escape, how did it come out right there? Did it come from the lab? Did it come from a bat? We're doing research on it anyway. Was it there? There's a lot of questions that are unanswered. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll never no, know certain things. you and things. I will never know. <laughs> That's right. for sure. And, but we do know how fast it's spread around the world. Correct. That's what's so fascinating. How it's, it's global. We're all, we're a global community now. We're not like little islands of countries here and there. We're a global. Mm-hmm. And it's a, um, well, let's, give me, let's talk, let's take apart a little bit slowly because when the, when the, when the coronavirus came out, you know, the inability to cope with it and uncertainty what it was, was, was traumatic, was, was traumatic. It was. I lost a 56, year old nephew to Corona. He left a, a widow and, and, and six kids and, and, uh, devastated the family. He was in the hospital. He, he really didn't die from the virus. He died from a lack of care. Cause they were terrified of getting near the guy. They're oh, so told so to stay away from patients, stay away from patients. People are, there, people are so much, so afraid of the, of the virus. And so uncertainty what it means was going to happen to people. We became paranoid and we lost contact. And now, thank God, thank God, it's much better now. People survive hospitals. But it was for, for the first few months, 
if you survive the hospital, <laughs> you already won. It, it's surviving the hospital was mm-hmm. the biggest issue. Now things are better. Now much better. You got a, a, a handle on what's going on. Um, we know how better, how better to treat the patients in the hospitals. We don't have intubate anymore. We give them uh, CPAP machines instead. Give more oxygen. We don't give them intubation. The intubation made it worse and killed the patients intubating them. We understand well, how things. It seemed to also develop hematological symptoms, neurological symptoms. Uh, it, it just morphed and then false information came out or misleading, perhaps is a better word, because everybody was so eager to report anything that came up. But it wasn't all accurate or backed up by science. Right. And even science became muddled. Science right now is one of the most politicized things I've ever heard in my life. Science used to mean, okay, here's the data. This is why it says this. You can back it up. You can duplicate it. And you can make it make sense more than once. Keep it, you know, consistent. But right now, people don't know what to believe. And I'll say one little statement, and then we'll go on to the discussion, is that it used to be back in the day that scientists and physicians were the paragon of integrity. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they so much had a slight, slight um, breach of integrity, they lost all credibility. Right. And it's changed. Oh, yes. So, so the lack, of, lack of, of institutionalized integrity has really caused quite a – Quite a stir and a lot of uncertainty. What's, who's the trust? I mean, we see those nations around the world that freely use hydroxychloroquine, zinc, right. and is this, and, and, and Zithromax, right? Have almost, almost, not sorry, almost zero mortality from the coronavirus mm-hmm. and a rapid recovery, most 100% cure. And those well, not to mention not- a study in 2005 in NIH by Dr. Fauci. So that again, reads the confusion in terms of experts. But I, I don't want to get too deeply involved into the politics of things. I just simply wanted to set the stage that, you know, what started out as something that was helpful, both on a health standpoint and on an economic standpoint, because uh, clearly economy is very important as well, has now morphed into something quite scary. And so, you know, there there are always side effects when you take vaccines. I know that me personally, as an adult, I I get a huge fist-sized lump at the point of injection. Not everybody does. There are people who feel sick after getting something. Anecdotally or not, there are often reactions. And then, there, of course, we will talk further after the first break about the best way to get vaccinated and some of the other big side effects that have been noted and are controversial about children and autism and you know, does it, doesn't it, and, and what can we do to mitigate some of these reactions? Can you make a general statement uh, about the fact that vac- vaccines have a place in medicine these days or not? What is your feeling? Of course they have a place. Of course they have a role to play. <laughs> Good. I mean – Got to be kind of brain to think vaccines have no role to play. Right. But there are issues with vaccines. Like you can't ignore the issues. Right. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one interesting thing. You've got 30 body seconds. Prote- oh, the body has protected itself mm-hmm. from any kind of, we call it an insulin, any kind of anything comes through our system. Mm-hmm. And the primary way of protecting ourselves is through a, a, um, 
Immunos are called glutathione. Right. Glutathione produced by the liver and in the brain and is the primary antioxidant detoxifier of the body. After okay. the break, I'll tell you more about it. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we'll talk about glutathione when we come back and the, the brain and the important place role it plays in how our bodies respond. We'll be back after these messages. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's merging Would you like to know how to fight right and win? All couples have arguments or a little argy-bargy from time to time. But if the argy-bargy typically leads to nicky-whoop or an angry dismissal, that can mean big trouble for a relationship. Studies have shown that a marriage will only succeed if the positive interactions outnumber the negative by a factor of five. Relationship expert Rachel Sussman suggests even if your spouse rambles on and on like a bladderoon, never interrupt. What do you call a person who always interrupts? An embuggerist. If you're the type that feels you have to win the argument, just remember, you can be right or you can be married. But you can't be both. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more words you never heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Rothstein about vaccines today. And right before the break, he was talking about glutathione and the brain. And we're going to talk further about side effects and the best way to get vaccinated. So let me let you continue on glutathione and what it is and what it means. So glutathione is a true antioxidant. It's protective and it prevents oxidation. You know what oxidation is? I know what it means. but Rusting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's a body breaks down due to oxygen. Things break down. Rust. Mm-hmm. So glutathione reverses that uh, effect on the brain and the liver, and it prevents it from happening also. Mm-hmm. Now, what inhibits glutathione, interestingly enough, by the way, is Tylenol. Really? Tylenol inhibits glutathione and there's some very interesting studies mind-blowing if you give a child tylenol to control the fever and symptoms after a vaccine guess what they're more prone to developing Uh, side effects autistic spectrum diseases fascinating so you're thinking that it's the so the study that debunked vaccines don't cause a problem really isn't about the vaccine it's about the mitigating right. of the symptoms following the vaccine. Am I reading you correctly? That's, that's correct. There's a lot of factors involved in this, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But okay. the most important thing is glutathione is a very powerful, very potent um, antioxidant for the body and a detoxifier of the liver. So if you do anything that enhances glutathione, you're going to promote, promote better health and better brain functioning. So why isn't this more widely known? Well, we're making. I mean, I right take nano glutathione every day. Beautiful, and I take NAC and N acetylcysteine. Right. NAC N acetylcysteine right. is a precursor to glutathione. So you take right. NAC, you produce more glutathione. 
Well, I just love antioxidants because I think they're helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure they are. Okay, so that's very important. So NAC, or like what I, I said, I'm, I'm taking nanoglutathione. Um, right. What does it do to the brain? It keeps well, the. It does it not keeps, inhibit the glutathione. It it enhances it. Enhances it and improves memory, improves mental acuity, um, and improves brain function overall. It also taken orally actually helps repair tissues like the lungs. Yes, lung lining lung tissue. Now, this is not a way to allow smoking, but I'll tell you, for smokers, taking NAC can help prevent or minimize, repair the damage caused by smoking to the lungs. Wow. Pretty wild. Um, Well, it is wild, and I think it's sad that it's not in the general medical knowledge base. You know, if you Google it, you can find it. But not everybody knows to look at these elements that are... So important, so vital. Right, right. And so the um, NAC is a very, very important amino acid to take to produce glutathione. Mm-hmm. And you take it orally. You can take an injection. You can take it, but but basically take it orally. Just take it orally, or you can inhale it. For instance, people with with COPD or emphysema, or even people who had the COVID, who could not recover because the lungs were coughing so much. Mm-hmm. I had them actually inhaling. Glutathione. I actually did a YouTube on this, um, and you put the glutathione. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, NAC. I'm sorry, NAC mm-hmm. into solution, and you right. inhale it through a nebulizer, and it helps okay. the lungs repair. So that would be part of the care of COVID if this was more widely known. Right. Right. You know, what's always fascinating to me is that we go immediately to pharmaceuticals without going to naturally occurring compounds in the body first. And I think that's a monetary issue. The funny thing, NAC is pharmaceutical. It's, it's actually the, the antidote for Tylenol poisoning. Tylenol toxicity is NAC. It also comes in an inhaled form. So okay. actually you can buy NAC with the prescription or buy it over the counter. Yes. Over the is cheap. Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's produced by drug companies. Yes. Um, but it's not, uh, but it's also over the counter. Pretty interesting. So anyway, so NAC is a, um, is a really, uh, is really great for producing glutathione in the brain. Mm-hmm. And that plays in because, because oftentimes, this now, now, when I give ideas, and it's not everybody, clearly not everyone's affected. Not, no, not everybody uh, and, responds the same way to anything. Correct. Correct. Um, but for certain people, when they get an, a, a vaccination, especially vaccines have adjuvants in them. Yes. You know what an adjuvant is? You know what an adjuvant is. Of course you know I do, but tell our else. listeners. <laughs> adjuvants. <laughs> adjuvants are actually what is added to a vaccine to enhance its effectiveness. It actually it irritates and inflames the immune system to hyper to hyperreact to the vaccination so it gets a better response, mm-hmm. a better immune, immune response so you can produce better antibodies. So adjuvants are critical. Without adjuvants, vaccines will not work. Makes sense. And, you need a carrier. All, right. Well, no, no. You need a stimulant. Stimulant, sorry. A stimulant. And all vaccines function by creating an inflammatory response in the body. Right. All vaccines. With inflammation, you cannot produce an immune response. You have right. to have that. So if you're inflamed in the body, well, guess what else gets inflamed? <laughs> The brain. Yes. And the brain gets inflamed. 
most folks just, you know, some kids will cry for a few days because your brain's a little irritated, a mild form of meningitis, but that goes away after a few days. With most kids, some kids, it stays. Some people get, get new changes, whatever it is. Um, some people get very sick from a vaccine. Some people do, some people don't. Some people get fevers, all kinds of things. That's not from the, from the particle, it's from the, from the, the oftentimes it's from the adjuvants mm-hmm. that's causing it. And so what but that then happens? Yeah, and, and then what happens is the body gets inflamed. Most kids can take that pretty well and they're fine, but a lot of kids can't, a lot of adults can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And so by taking NAC, producing glutathione in the body and the brain, the damages are mitigated. almost nil. Yeah, mitigated. Huh. And it's, it's cheap. It's over the counter and it's cheap. Right, right. It, and it's going to be, this is a naive question, but I'm, obviously curious once this reaction has taken place is there any value to taking nac afterward absolutely yes yes so i'm not talking just post-vaccine i'm talking okay child has you know some tough symptoms um still inflamed brain etc is there any value to taking nac on a regular basis um, the reason why you take NAC on a regular, generally speaking, take NAC on a regular basis is a good thing to do, first okay. of all. It will help reverse long-term side effects. You know, I presume so. I don't have enough, not enough data out there to, to, to yes. test it or not. Right. Yet. But I presume so. Uh, I presume that um, there are many things, anything to help the body recover. Um, for instance, taking um, probiotics helps the body recover from these things. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that seem to help body recover over time. And um, uh, even though it's been a, it's, it's a long term, I mean, some people are taking CBD oil, getting mm-hmm. good results of that. Again, an people. anti-inflammatory property, correct? It's anti-inflammatory, but it also works on the ANS, the autonomic nervous, nervous system. system. Hmm. Because you know, oftentimes, you know, look, watch kids play, and watching kids play, and they help the kids are playing, they're having fun, and he scrapes his knee, gets up, oh, rubs off, and goes back to playing again. Mm-hmm. Now, what if a kid is tired or hungry, or someone's yelled at the kid, or he's scared, something going on negative in his life? The exact same scrape. What's the response like now? Uh, it's hysterical. Hysterical. It's not the injury; it's the perception. So huh. for some people, the CBD oil, actually what it does, it, it kind of, it gives us a different perception. It, it calms down the nervous system mm-hmm. so you don't feel that panic inside and you don't feel as bad. You get better faster. Which is why it's being used these days for sleep. For sleep, for and chronic. And it's the non-THC version, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. That's well, it depends. Yes. Now, I will tell you something. Sometimes you need the THC. THC is not a demon. THC is great stuff used properly. Okay. THC is great stuff. I'm, I'm a, a big fan of, of cannabis used in the right direction because used properly, it's all about nervousness. Now, if a person takes and take it to escape reality, right? Then well, it's a problem. no different than alcohol, other than it's a different substance. Right. But a person using it to, to, to help them deal and move forward reality because they get rid of their demons, mm-hmm. that there's a place for that. There's a place for that. Very interesting because the body responds to anything that we give it. Um, right. 
And, and people don't respond all the same way. That's, that's the one thing that people don't seem to understand is that when we're talking about, uh, any medication, it will work for most people, but not everyone. That's why there are multiple vaccines being created and it will take time to figure out which one will work the best. How do you make, this is a general vaccine question, but why is it that some of the flu vaccines have proven to be so inconsequential? Is it because of the virus morphing every year or is it because we're not addressing some of the underlying symptoms? Uh, yes, clearly. <laughs> yes, thanks. Oh, great. But three minutes, so year. now you take that one until you need it. Every year is a different virus comes out, flu virus. It's a different virus. And, and it's a um, uh, really the truth is influenza is really best, something called internal ter- terrain, how your body is, is um, built up on the inside. Okay. You know, there's certain things that predispose a person getting very, very sick from anything. And one is fatigue. Another is malnutrition, another is sugar intake. All these things predispose us to getting sick. Um, but there are, but if, if to prevention for influenza, I found actually more effective than the flu shot. I found actually is taking vitamin A, high dose, um, beginning of the season. That's 400,000 units. Take it once from the, for the season. That's set you good for the whole season. I found it very effective. Uh, you can good take cod liver oil. You can take cod liver oil. Yeah. Know, yeah, <laughs> it has vitamin A, vitamin right. vitamin D, and omega three fatty acids. Kind of those great stuff. It is um, good stuff. But there's, but I found that the um, it, it, the vitamin A is very cheap. It's it's like I don't know, fifteen dollars a dose, twenty dollars a dose, whatever it is, and that's it for the whole season. Sit. Interesting, um, and you know, I, I think that one of the things that you had mentioned, and we have just a short time, is that do not take Tylenol afterward. Because of right. the effect on glutathione. I think if there's one message we want to make sure our listeners hear today, it's that. And because it's not something that I think most of us knew. I know they've been saying don't take Tylenol with COVID. So that has come, you know, more into, uh, the light with this one. But I, you know, unfortunately I don't think there's a lot of explanation as to why not. And, and now we know that it inhibits some of the response that is necessary to build antibodies and may cause side effects. So we're going to go on a short break and we will come back and we will talk about the possible link between vaccines and autism, um, how to time when you get vaccinations and, and how to mitigate some of the responses. There's some amazing new Mitigation therapies, we'll call them, out there that we want to introduce you to today. And, you know, please send your questions in. It will be very helpful to address them afterward. So we'll go on a quick break. We'll come back and we will talk further about with Dr. Rothstein about vaccines. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. 
he would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. love ranch dressing. I put it on salads, burgers, french fries, and especially pizza. In 1949, a contractor named Kenneth Henson took a job in Alaska for three years. Part of his responsibility was cooking for his fellow workers. During this time, he refined a recipe for salad dressing that included buttermilk, herbs, and spices. Everyone thought his salad dressing was piquant or deliciously stimulating to the palate. After moving back from Alaska, Mr. Henson opened a dude ranch in Santa Barbara, California. The income from the ranch, which was aptly named Hidden Valley, wasn't enough to sustain the over 120 acres. So he started selling his salad dressing. Today, Hidden Valley Ranch is America's favorite, or uncabogable salad dressing. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We're going to talk about the best way to get vaccinated, both in terms of timing and following, and take it away, Dr. Ben. Okay, well, um, here's some things that are in the Army doing research on vaccines, and, and here are some really important points in vaccinated. First things first, never get a vaccination if you're not well. Runny noses, coughing, sneezing, not feeling great, never get a vaccine at that time because it's it's going to have a reaction. It just -hmm. just will. The odds are too great to have reactions. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing is, we said before, don't take Tylenol. You can take Motrin if you want to control it. If you have to take something, Mm -hmm. do not take Tylenol. What about aspirin? Well, aspirin came out to be, be a bit vilified. Um, because of the positive raise syndrome okay. affecting the liver. So we, they said, well, take Tylenol instead. Mm. Okay. And, and that Motrin. caused other problems. Correct. Correct. Okay. Mundo. So, so right now we're saying Motrin, which is ibuprofen. Right. If you need it, that you take. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, you only take it if you can't sleep. If a kid gets it and the kid can't sleep, then you, then you worry about it. But you all the pediatricians assign baby Tylenol to anything under age four for right. anything. Right. I mean, there's no cough right. medicine anymore. You'll, you just hack away, but you take baby Tylenol. So what does the American Pediatric Association say about these Tylenol and right. NAC and NAD and all of that? It's not widely known yet. Uh. Um, 
Okay. So um, you're on the you're on the the cusp of this information. Um, so a lot of not, not really good good doctors, but dedicated physicians, the pediatricians do not know this yet. And it'll come, it'll come. No, it may take a few years, but eventually they'll understand that too. Okay. So in the meantime, in the meantime, you don't take Tylenol. You know, make sure the kid taking saying hydrated long as long as the person's hydrated and taking fluids, and you can tell because they're peeing. Mm-hmm. If your urine is clear, hydrated enough, you're fine. Okay. Okay. Um, my wife has probably one of the most terrific chicken soup rem, uh, recipes, <laughs> and. Uh, Actually, she put in my, from my book, Brain Fog, she put, put that recipe in the back of the book of uh, how to make the world's best chicken soup. I and love it. She says, don't argue with the Jewish mother. <laughs> well, that's true. That's very true. Uh, okay, so timing, not if you're sick. Don't take okay. Tylenol following. Motrin if needed. And space them apart. You take one every month or two, not all at one time. You space them apart. Take as few at a time as possible. So if, you, so if you get the MMR, fine, but one shot. Then take, that's wait one for the shot. next. Right. That's one shot. But it has, if, if it has like five ingredients to the same shot, that's also not a good, not a good idea. I'm, I don't like that idea too much. I think it has too, a greater risk of complications by having so many antigens in the same shot. It's, right. it's too many, too much insult to the child. Then what so about? I, I, these, what about for adults as well? In terms of the pneumonia vaccine now is a two-part shot. And the first one will, quote, get you sick for 24 hours, said my internist. The second one will not. And I have not gotten it because every time I went to go get it, it I was not well. And so when someone warns you like that, you're far less eager to go get it, even though pneumonia kills people every year. Right. And I've had pneumonia. You feel like you want to die sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Pneumonia is mm-hmm. awful disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the, for the pneumonia for adults, you know, taking the NAC will help a lot. Okay. It would, would go a long way to mitigating the symptoms of the, of the, uh, vaccination. Many of the symptoms, you know, I want to talk a little, a little bit about the different avenues that vaccines can cause injuries. Okay. You know, and it's, I want to be very clear about this because it's not that vaccines should never be taken. It's just you have to be real, practical and realistic. But like anything, there's going to be side effects. Mm-hmm. Look, cars, every year, approximately 50,000 people die a year from car accidents. Mm-hmm. We don't put a ban on cars. No. But the side effects of driving a car. Almost well, it's, over- it's a calculated risk that one takes. And, and I think, you know, the military is very familiar with this because they've been used for vaccinations early, but when they get vaccinated, they get six to seven at the same time. I know. I was in that line. I know. <laughs> it was miserable. Well, and, and that's why there's a lot of skepticism about, you know, certain, I'll call it guinea pig aspects, um, for new vaccines because they're often given to the military first because they don't have a choice. Right. And the they young, healthy, their right hand. Yep. Young, healthy, young, healthy adults. That's true. Too. Less likely to have problems. So they're more sturdy, but yeah, the golf horse syndrome was that, what was that due to a lot of speculation on that as well? A lot of things coming out about this stuff. And, and yes. it, it's hard to, to, to dissect apart between reality yes. and conspiracy theories. And it's a lot of hard to, well, nature to, and, 
and nurture. I mean, you know, what came because we introduced it and what came because the person was predisposed. So, right. and also exposures to things that nobody was ever supposed to be exposed to, whether it was Agent Orange or the burn pits. So right. there's a lot that's in the military. I didn't mean to muddy the waters there. So if you're a mom and you're thinking of not vaccinating your child, which was a requirement to enter elementary school, um, it, it people are still refusing on religious grounds or personal grounds or this is America and nobody's going to tell me what to do. What would you tell them? It's um, That was a heavy sigh. Yeah, that, that's a very hard mm-hmm. question to answer because – is this a human rights violation in the guise of social benefit, mm-hmm. protecting the many at the sacrifice of the few? Um, and so, like we know, people go to war, people get killed. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Um, it's expected to happen, but it's necessary to protect the country. So maybe protect, um, maybe protect a million people at the cost of a, of a few lives. And it's, oh, well, good exchange, but eh, I don't know. It's hard. Is it it human rights or is it a social responsibility to get vaccinated? It's a very strong, hotly debated medical ethics question. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I just saw recently where the state now will be given the power that if you you won't take the COVID vaccine, they can actually force you to take it. And or or fine you. Or put you in prison. Or both. Right. Right. And so Uh, there's going to be a – That was the news yesterday. Yes. Right. Is that that fair? Is that right? Is that moral? Um, that's uh, bigger minds than me will have to figure that one out. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it right now, but it's it's a very complex picture. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to talk about mothers who don't vaccine or do vaccine. I'm, I, I will talk about kids getting vaccinated. Okay. Because it, uh, and and there are so many ways you can protect yourself. Um, my kids, where I thank God, my grandkids. I got a lot of grandkids. Um, lots of those little critters running around, and. Um, yeah, I think I'm very blessed. But the thing is, is that, you know, what do you do to protect the kids? So it's against, it could be a vac, could be a side effect. What could, how can protect them? Just be on the safe side. Mm-hmm. So I um, did a lot of research on that to find out what are the ways that vaccines can cause damage. You know, there's ways that irritate the blood brain barrier. There's a thing on the blood vessels of the, of the brain mm-hmm. that things can't ooze through and affect the brain. Mm-hmm. And vaccines, some of the adjuvants can actually damage that blood brain barrier. And what about inflammation of the brain? And what about the immune system response? And what about the white blood cell response called a mast cell activation? What about all these things? How to detoxify the body? How do you, what are the ways that can, vaccines can affect a person adversely? And um, I said, take a swoop of this and, and like six different bottles of stuff to take all these things. Mm-hmm. And at the behest of my kids, I um, actually, actually designed a product that contains all those elements so it's easy for kids to take, but it has to be tasty because otherwise kids won't take it. It doesn't taste good. Right. I don't care if it's good for me. I don't like it. <laughs> you know, I mean, no. So they would take this before they became vaccinated or afterward? Actually, both. You start before ahead of time, a week or so ahead of time. Okay. And can you take it for five, weeks after, five or six weeks afterwards? And any side um, effects from any of the ingredients? You know, so far I've not seen any. Okay. Um, uh, I've seen it's a is a possibility some could get, get get groggy or sleepy because uh, some people I don't know why just 
Um, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it. But I've heard in the in the studies uh, evaluating those products in other journals, it's, it's a possibility, but I've never seen it happen yet. And um, so you're saying that this – and do you have a name for this? Yes, yeah, called VaxGuard. And V-A-X – X. Two X's. VAXX guard. And this is something that you came up with because you saw the side effects. You did the research and you put the ingredients all together in a one, uh, dosage package. Tasty powder and seems to mentionable tablets. Okay. Put a couple scoops in some water and you drink it. It's really quite tasty actually. And um, some, some of my grandkids, they got all the bottles. They were making pops out of it, you know, freezer pops out of it no, and putting no. the drinks and so wait, wait, that's a- <laughs> All right. We have to go on break. This is our last break and we'll come back and talk further about how to prevent or repair vaccine related injuries. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages. Only six golfers in history have ever shot a hole-in-one while taking part in the Ryder Cup. Of course, the hole-in-one isn't a phenomenon for professional golfers only. Hackers, whiffers, and foozlers get them, while some PGA Tour pros still await their first. According to Golf Digest, who has been tracking info for more than 60 years, the odds of getting a hole-in-one for a professional is 5,000 to 1 and 12,000 to 1 for the rest of us. Tiger Woods shot his first hole-in-one when he was only 6 years old. And John Elway hit a hole-in-one on his 40th birthday. Now there's a good reason to frolic gozine or celebrate. I figured out why golf instructors insist you keep your head down and look at the ball. It's so that you can't see them laughing. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Did you know there are ways you can boost your natural happy chemicals? The expectation of reaching a goal can cause your body to produce dopamine. Early settlers in America probably got a rush of dopamine upon discovering a new watering hole. Today, we might expect the same pleasurable feeling by finding the perfect parking space. The expectation of a reward releases the energy needed to reach the goal. What's a word meaning the will to win? Spizzerington. Endorphins are other chemicals released by the body to mask pain and cause a feeling of euphoria. Runners are known to make themselves release these endorphins by pushing themselves past their limits. But the simple acts of laughing and stretching can cause a release of endorphins as well. What's another word for stretching? Pandiculation. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back. Let's talk about what is in this VaxGuard. Sure. What are the ingredients and, and when you did the research, what did they address that made you certain that this as a group of ingredients would help? Well, I'll tell you several things. First has NAC, okay. obviously. Um, it also has citric acid. Citric acid can get in lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Um, but citric acid. 
vitamin, well, it's not vitamin C, it's, it's not citric acid. Right. It's different. Okay. Um, and what it does actually has a unique property being able to bind certain metals like aluminum mm-hmm. and help the body excrete it. You pee it out. Okay. So some of the vaccines have uh, aluminum alum in it till yes. as an adjuvant. And this helps to kind of – the theory is that it's going to decrease the irritation to the blood-brain barrier by taking the citric acid okay. and helps pull the excess alum out of the body so you have less reaction. Okay. Um, it has a um, quercetin in it. Quercetin is a bioflavonoid that mm-hmm. – um, it stabilizes what's called mast cells. Right. Mast cells, you've, everyone's heard of histamine, right? You've all mm-hmm. get, you've taken antihistamine and it stops your eyes from tearing and watering because mm-hmm. histamine makes your eyes tear and water. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is histamine also keeps you awake. Mm-hmm. If you take antihistamine, you Put get you to sleep. Get sleep, right. <laughs> so histamine is a very important brain chemical. Mm-hmm. But the same token is also we have too much in the body, in the blood, you get allergic reactions. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to stabilize this reaction to um, antigen in the body um, in a healthy, safe fashion that was effective. Okay. That was quercetin. Quercetin okay. is called a mass cell stabilizer, so you don't have the same kind of reactions to it. Okay. Um, that put um, a powerful form of B6 called paradoxical 5-phosphate or P5P, which helps um, – uh, nerve growth and brain growth helps them grow and become, you know, become stronger and mm-hmm. uh, healthier. And also put some things in there, um, methyl B, methyl B12 and methylfolate, which help the body's, um, uh, methylation path pathway to detoxify stuff in the butt. Hmm. So it helps, helps the body detoxify naturally. So you have all these ingredients. And of course, of course, vitamin C, because vitamin C does everything for everybody. You got to put vitamin C in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have citric acid and vitamin C in here. Yep. Yep. All right. So if I if I'm going to read these back to you, um, NAC, citric mm-hmm. acid, which will bind metal like aluminum, take them out because they've proven to be harmful. Quercetin. Am I saying that right? I say quercetin or either quercetin. one. Quercetin. Okay. Um, B6, uh, special form of B6, which will help nerve growth, and methylated B12 and methylfolate. Uh, which help to detoxify. Uh, have any of those side effects of their own? Nope. I looked them all up, and you got to be in these things. You're going to drown in it before you get a toxic reaction to it. Huh. I mean, everything is everything is designed to be super duper safe. Um, and so, even though even the B12, it says it's very high, way of like twelve thousand times the RDA. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's so incredibly safe. It's not it's, toxic. It is not toxic at all. And so when you use this, what has been yeah. the reaction or, or what are you seeking to, to see or not see? Well, I, um, I I'll call some people who have taken it. And what, what happened, one mother took it because her child was always getting sick after vaccinations, always got sick after getting vaccinated. Okay. For the first time, Kid did not get sick at all. Wow. Zippo. So you talk to people who, who work in, um, you know, nurseries or, um, preschools or playgroups, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can always tell kids get vaccinated because always they're crying and they're smoking and they're, they're right. cranky and this and so on. And those kids, you'll find those kids will not be so cranky and teary miserable. and runny. No, they're miserable. Right. Exactly. 
It's designed to help those kids feel better, not getting so sick. They take vaccine and not get sick from it. Imagine that. Which would be amazing because that's obviously very important. Why is albumin under consideration? Albumin. Somebody said to me, I was telling someone we were having a show on vaccination. They said, well, their, their doctor said that the albumin may be causing some of the side effects. And I didn't have a clue how to answer that. Oh, albumin in the blood. Yes. Oh, 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 okay, fine. Right. Albumin actually is one of the, one of the indicators of immune system functioning. Okay. And if it's too low, people get sick much more easily. Okay. If it's too high, they'd be hyperreactive to a, a, a vaccine or to anything for that matter, even to a mosquito bite, become hyperreactive. Oh, okay. So albumin levels actually can, I can see why they correlate with people's responses to almost anything. Okay. Um, even in people I mean, to, to do a urine test or look for albumin in the urine. If your albumin is in the urine, that's a very bad sign. That's true. Okay. And if you have albumin in the blood, look at the numbers to see how the immune system is functioning and how the albumin is also a carrier protein for a lot of things in the blood. And um, if it's out of balance, it's your immune system is, is higher risk. Anti-inflammatory response is, is a big deal with the current virus as well. Um, I do know that from family members in the medical profession, they're now doing inflammatory tests and markers and measurements, diagnostics, if someone is doing very poorly. And that's not something they were checking in the beginning. So I think our, our medical people are starting to understand inflammatory response, how to prevent, what not to inflame the response with. Um, it is it is very interesting because if something good comes out of this, it will be that paying attention to the body's responses, as complex as our body is, it tells us what's wrong. Right. Uh, it's interesting. You know, the anti-inflammatories, the body's strongest anti-inflammatory is cortisol. Mm-hmm. Which is the stress and hormone. Right. We always thought of cortisol as a bad thing. High level of mm-hmm. cortisol, oh my gosh. And it is, does have a bad effect. A person's levels of cortisol too high, you can't fall asleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and it makes you fat around the middle. And it makes you fat around the middle. That's right. It brings your blood sugar up and high right. blood pressure and you retain fluids, da, 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 all kind right. of things. But without some cortisol, your body is going to fall apart. Right. And you're sick all the time. So it turns out actually for the COVID, one of the treatments that seems to have almost like 97% effectiveness is taking dexamethasone, kind of cortisol, either inhale it or by swallowing it, and to to, to increase anti-inflammatory balance of body, the body doesn't quite get so sick. Hmm. Recently, giving cortisol when a person's sick will make them sicker. Now we're realizing, no, maybe not. Maybe taking cortisol when a person's sick will make them less sick. See, Fewer there are symptoms. some things coming out through people paying attention to the complexity of of something that is unknown. And and sometimes the unknown makes us work even harder. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think part of a, a lot of this that we're addressing is the uncertainty that comes as a parent to give your child a vaccine, as an adult in getting a vaccine, being told what to do. Americans have not ever been very good at being told what to do, and we don't have a a nation mentality of 
um, as you pointed out earlier, you know, lose some for the better of many. Um, that isn't our nation's mentality. And, and so it, it has been interesting to watch people's responses to everything from isolation to masks to, um, caution to riots. You, you, you name it. But yeah. it, um, trusting the science is important if we can trust the scientists. And I think uncertainty, what you're raising here in this program today is that there is some science that can mitigate giving children vaccines that can really possibly prevent and or repair post-vaccine in a way that has no harm, which is, of course, as a physician, your first job is to do no harm. But it might be extremely helpful. I want to make sure people know where to find out more information. They would go to vax with two X's, V-A-X-X, guard.com. The ingredients listed on there? It's all in there. Everything's there. It's all in there. The science behind it. Okay. It's all, you can find everything you want to know about it. It's um, very. And this uh, helps adults too, correct? Helps adults as well. Because adults get, get the flu shot every year. Right. And, um, a lot of adults get sick from flu shots. So this yes. way vaccines are not quite so scary anymore. They don't, they don't need to be so scary. Well, this could truly help nationwide acceptance of a new vaccine, couldn't it? It could. It could. Well, I'm very but, glad we're here to tell people about it. Is there anything I've missed asking you that you want to make sure we get into this message today? Because we're not talking magic potions here. We're talking about scientifically researched and tested ways of taking things that will make potentially a better outcome, which is what we're all seeking. Right. I'll tell you the, the VaxGuard stuff, the way it's formulated, you really can take it all the time. You take a scoop, a couple of scoops every day um, because it has ingredients in it are just overall healthy and beneficial for people. Um, it's good for allergic reactions because allergies oftentimes can be um, mitigated with NAC and quercetin and vitamin C. And many things, it, it's a good, it, it's, so if you won't overdose your kids on that, the first thing. It's not going to hurt anything. Right. It's very helpful. It's, it's a, it's a very cost effective, tasty, simple thing to do. And it's, it's, um, um, people need it because the fear, let's supposing there's no reaction to vaccine whatsoever. Say person, no reaction, but they're afraid of it. Right. So even with that, even if it all did would take away your fear, it's already doing something. That's very true because mental health is often a huge component of physical health and immune response and, and everything else. And that's why I'm saying with the uncertainty that we've all been living with for such a long time now, and certainly the um, discussions about vaccines have been going on for decades. And right. so I, I urge our listeners to take a look at VaxGuard.com. Of course, make your own decisions. Check with your own physicians. But also take a look at things that have some science and some well-thought-out thinking behind it. Dr. Rustin, thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. I think new information and new things that come up are always good to spread the word on, so we are very glad to do our part. Thank you for listening today. We will be back next week with another show. And for more information, check our show pages at wisehealthforwomenradio.com and check out vaxguard with 2 xscom 
Make it a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.